Did you know that every major diaper company either financially or vocally supports abortion? If that appalls you and you're looking to support a baby brand that aligns with your pro-life, pro-family views, then every life is your solution. Every life firmly believes that regardless of where someone is from, what they look like, or whether they were planned or unplanned, every baby is a miracle from God worthy of love, protection, and celebration. Every Life offers high-performing, supremely soft, premium diapers and wipes delivered right to your doorstep. Their diapers are crafted without fragrances, dyes, lotions, latex, parabens, or phthalates. And you can feel good knowing that every purchase with Every Life contributes to changing lives through their support of pro-life organizations and pregnancy resource centers. Every Life is not just changing diapers, they're changing lives. Visit everylife.com to learn more. That's everylife.com. And don't forget to use promo code Duffy10 for an exclusive 10% discount on your first order today. Hey, everyone. Welcome to From the Kitchen Table. I'm your host, Sean Duffy, along with my co-host for the podcast, but also my partner in life, Rachel Campos Duffy. Thank you, Sean. It's great to be back at our kitchen table. And we have a couple of really interesting topics today. Um, the first is something that happened at the University of Michigan at their medical school, where a bunch of students walked out on a professor because they didn't agree with her views. That doesn't sound like breaking news at all, does that, Sean? No, it doesn't. Um, that happens all the time. And then we're also going to talk about some positive stuff. Uh, John Rich, our friend here, um, you know, he works here at Fox News. He's also an amazing uh, country music star and his song with like no marketing, no label behind it is like hit number one, knocking every other superstar off the charts. And it's a song with a very conservative political message. And so I think it's really interesting and a sign of just where the country's at and that people have woken up. Uh, but let's start with this topic at the University of Michigan, Sean. Um, medical students, they have what they call a white coat ceremony. I didn't really know that this existed. I don't have um, any kids in medical school, but I guess it's a big moment where kids, um, the, the students go and they invite their parents. It's sort of, the, they have a speech, there's a speech, there's a ceremony. It's the first time they put on their white lab coats and it's, it's quite symbolic. They invited a doctor, Kristen Collier, who's a very beloved um, professor and doctor at the university to speak. And before she could even give her remarks, all of these students, a bunch of students and their parents walked out. It was all captured on on video, posted on Instagram and all the social media accounts. And I guess it says a lot, not just about universities, but I'm concerned, Sean, about the politicization of medicine, because that's something we've seen a lot of over the last two years. So my question for you, Rachel, is why did they stand up and walk out on her? because she was pro-life. So do you mind if I read what she wrote? Um, By the way, her speech was not about abortion. Students who, some of them are even pro-choice who like her and have had her as a professor say that she is compassionate, never talks about her political views. Um, But she has on her own personal account and and in speeches um, that she has given, and she is part of a pro-life doctor's association. Um, Here's a quote from her and how she approaches the idea of life. She says, holding on to a view of feminism where one fights for the rights of all women and girls, especially those who are most vulnerable, I can't 
not lament the violence directed at my prenatal sisters in the act of abortion done in the name of autonomy. And then she continues and says, liberation that costs innocent lives is just oppression that is redistributed. Sean? Listen, I, I look at this and um, there's, there's, there's so much here. So number one, I think you made a really interesting point, Rachel, that she's, she's not a political type professor. We see that in schools where you have professors injecting their political views in the classroom all over the map on, uh, you know, on, on topics that don't involve politics. They become about politics. And here you have a, a medical professor who doesn't inject her personal beliefs into the classroom. And to your point, Rachel, many of her liberal students, pro-abortion students have said, listen, she's a great teacher. She never brings up her personal views when it's not related, you know, to the to the instruction in the class. But here you have a group of young people uh, who, with their parents, stand up and walk out, not because of what she teaches in the school, not because of the qualifications of her as a professor or a doctor. They stand up and walk out because of a personal belief that she has, which is she's pro-life. And what, what I find fascinating is that those of us who are pro-life have to put up with pro-abortionists all over the map in every corner of life and business and schools all over, but that they have one presenter who is pro-life, but not talking about the life issue. They can't stand that. They can't be in the same room as someone who has a different opinion from them. And I think it's a, and, and again, I know we'll talk about, you know, the medicine as a whole, but the idea that we can't associate, be in the same room with someone who has a political different idea than we do in our whole society, our whole government is based on disagreement and debate. And the concept behind that is that if people can debate and argue about issues using words, then they don't use violence. They don't grab guns and sticks and rocks and fight each other. They actually debate it and vote on it. And what's happening now is we're teaching young people through the school system that there's no debate. There's one viewpoint, and it's the viewpoint of the liberal progressives, and that's the only accepted view that we can have. And if anyone has a different view, they're violent. Their speech and their ideas are violence. Well, so these groups, these students, um, these pro-choice students did try to um, lobby the university to not have her speak. They wanted her removed as the keynote speaker. And to University of Michigan's credit, they did not cave to these demands. And so these these students were very angry that they didn't get their way. And so they expressed their disappointment by walking out, which was really rude. Um, And by the way, I actually had time uh, this morning. I wanted to listen to what were her remarks that day. And gosh, she gave the most amazing speech. And if you get a chance, if you're listening to this and you want to listen to what the medical profession should be, listen to the speech. She gave a, a speech about how patients and doctors should beware that they are not machines and that doctors, especially who are trained in science and, and use so much technological instruments and, and, and things in, in their uh, profession should, you know, beware of, of not reducing themselves or their patients um, to machines. And she talked about bringing humanity um, into the profession and that it, it's human to human. And that is what makes it um, a, a unique profession and a unique relationship between a doctor and a patient and how 
even, you know, doctors need to take care of themselves so they can take care of others and they're not machines and they have to sleep and eat and take care of themselves to be at their optimal. So it was an amazing speech. Um, and if, if as, as I said, I recommend people go back, you can find it on social media, but this idea, Sean, about science, I mean, it's, it's quite possible that, and I don't know what this doctor's position is on how she came to her position, um, as a pro-lifer. But it's very possible that she came through it through science. Um, it's very hard to deny the humanity of a, a of a child in utero, and a doctor would know that as much or more than anyone else. We did a story not long ago. Um, I don't know. It was maybe four or five months ago on Fox and Friends, where a doctor was basically put on some sort of timeout by his administration because he talked about male and female and wanted to stick to the bio the biology and the science of gender and the students were having none of it and um so we ended up interviewing i believe that doctor and other doctors on the show and just how much these medicals or schools are changing sean because these students are really the enforcers and so whether their ideas are based in science or not, like gender, male and female. Um, they want their professors to have their ideological uh, point of view and, and they will report them and harass them and threaten their, their careers if they don't bow and bend to their ideology. No, it's a really good point. And I think what, what concerns me about this is we do have a wokeification of youth in America. And the question becomes, where does that come from? And uh, I think a, a lot of p kids who are raised in conservative homes become, again, wokeified, and it's happening on social media. If you don't see the feeds that your kids are getting on social media, you should, and see what kind of interaction they're having there because these ideas are being fed from them, from the radical leftists in Silicon Valley. That's number one. But Sean, also, that's such a, can I just say that that's such an important point because so many conservatives are focusing on the schools, and, and that's important. Uh, but if you talk to, you know, when we talk to our kids, uh, if, if any of those listening talk to your own kids or your grandkids, they spend far more time on their social media and their social media is far more influential um, and, and, their, and their peer influencers are far more influential than their, you know, 55 year old math teacher. Right. I mean, that is the truth. And the flip side to your point is also the K through 12 schools. The, the teachers in those schools have become so uh, radicalized in the teaching colleges and universities, and they take those ideas into the classroom uh, and impart them to your kids. And so what you've now seen is this, this speeding up of this radical change in the country, and there's no space that liberals can leave untouched. And we, we, we see it with technology. We've seen it with movies. We've seen it with news. We now are talking about what's happening in medical schools. The same thing is happening in law schools. Every space that there is, it's, it's the DOJ, the FBI, the spaces that liberalism and wokeism and radicalism has uh, in, infected is all over culture. And, I mean, a few of the spaces that it doesn't exist are on farms in America, uh, in yeah. small businesses, um, that have been able to repel and resist this. And it's an older generation who, uh, you know, listen, we're, we're older than this, you know, Gen Z millennial generation. And we're on social media far less and far less influenced by 
our peers on social media. And I, I yeah. think it's a, a real, it's a real, it's really hard to grasp how we can get our hands around um, a fair debate again in America. Because if we don't fix this, um, I think the the, the future is pretty grim. Because again, people can't have conversations. People can't have their own thoughts. They won't be able to go to the doctor and you know have an unbiased, non woke doctor. They're going to have a an agenda. Not only that, I'm concerned about the courts. If I have woke, you know, uh, social justice warriors on the bench, uh, just like we've seen with prosecutors, justice isn't blind any longer. Justice has a political point of view, and that's never the way our system has worked. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the justice system. So we saw, you know, first it was universities that got, you know, sort of infected, as you call it, with this Marxist ideology, went into our our secondary um, schools, our primary schools, we now know our preschools and Head Start programs are full of ideology. But then we started to see it, I first started to see it creep into the medical schools and now we're seeing it in in law schools and, and, we're, and we're seeing the fruits of that, by the way. But I had, do have some friends who whose kids went to medical school and they were also telling me about a lot of the, the ideological pressure their, their kids were under to agree to a lot of this. Um, gender biology stuff. It was super pro-choice, um, and they and her their children were pro-life, and they had were struggling to, you know, kind of keep it that on the down low because they were afraid. But let's talk more recently, Sean, um, about what happens when ideology takes over in medicine because we've just experienced this over the last two years, and also when people just don't have the courage to stand up for their convictions. So one of my biggest disappointments during the COVID era was how few doctors were willing to stand up to the medical establishment, to their hospital administrators who were getting a lot of pressure from the federal government to not question anything that was being um, commanded from up on high. Um, I talked to so many doctors who didn't agree with what was being um, told for them to do in terms of vaccines for kids, in terms of lockdowns, who who actually thought they should be able as doctors to prescribe ivermectin and um, hydroxychloroquine, who were upset that they could that they would call in prescriptions for their patients, and their hospitals would um, uh, you know rain down on them, or even pharmacists. Um, at Walmart would call them and question their prescription, something they said that never happened to them as a doctor in their entire medical profession. And yet so many of them were not brave, Sean. They stood back. And the few doctors who have stepped forward, boy, I mean, from Dr. Atlas to, um, uh, you know, uh, McAuliffe and even um, doctors that we, we, we don't, we don't, their names aren't as familiar those doctors were made examples of. They were ridiculed. Many of them are now vindicated on a massive level and no apology has come. And so I'm just worried for the professor profession in general because there seems to be not a lot of courage um, among these doctors, really disappointed because they could have really stopped a lot of this if they had acted in unison. But then seeing how um, so many of these um, young doctors, of course, coming into the profession are coming out of our wokeified, as you call it. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services. 
marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you, it's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. We'll have more of this conversation after this. Well, you know, on, on top of that, you look at a young doctor who you just mentioned that might push back on the the COVID science. I mean, in the science, by the way, there was no treatment bef- if, for much of COVID. There was no treatment protocols that were put out. And if a doctor was going, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try a, a, a set of protocols that I think will work. Uh, oftentimes, they were threatened with um, the loss of their license. The licensing boards and states were threatening doctors. Yeah. And if if you're not independently wealthy, this is and you've got a lot of debt from school, you can't lose your license. Um, and so that was a huge uh, bludgeon that that uh, the woke establishment was able to use, threatening doctors with the pulling of their license or defending their license and what they're doing with regard to. Uh, 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 treatments for COVID. And again, this this example just goes to show how deeply this has penetrated into the culture um, of uh, of America, but also into the medical community. And when you, t- when you talk about science, we have to be able to have open minds. We have to you know, be able to say, listen, we got this wrong. To say that the vaccine for COVID is actually a vaccine when it doesn't stop the spread of COVID or that it's a therapeutic, but there's no studies to show that as a therapeutic, the and I use the vaccine in, in air quotes, that the vaccine actually gives better results for someone who has the vaccine and boosted as compared to someone who does not. Those studies haven't been done. No double-blind peer-reviewed studies have been put out to say that if you're, if you're vaxxed and boosted, your symptoms of COVID are less than someone who was not vaxxed and boosted. And so I'm, I, I have no problem accepting that, but why aren't we doing those studies? It's just they come out and basically want us to accept things on faith. And my concern about that is why? What, what agenda is behind that? What is the purpose behind that? Why don't we want to have debate? Why don't we want to have people question the decisions that are made by government science? That government science may be wrong because I would think the intent of all doctors and all scientists is to get the best outcomes for people. I want to save the most lives. I want to protect the most lives by having the best recommendations and the best science um, and the best protocols. And if you don't have that, people lose their lives. People get hurt. And, And that's why the whole COVID example that you bring up is really powerful because I don't think 
That's what um, our, our, our doctors and our scientists were providing for us. And I do think uh, we'll see as time rolls on, people were hurt by the decisions. Don't you think, Sean, too, that the young people were the most um, young people, including a lot of young people who were residents? I knew some um, during the COVID process. Uh, they were the most compliant. Uh, young, to me, young people were the most trusting and compliant of all the government edicts that were coming out of Washington that made no sense. And I noticed, uh, again, of the, the few um, young people that I knew in, in residencies were, um, you know, little, you know, I don't know how to, how, little robots, like following orders. And look, I get, I get it. If you're a resident, it's hard to, you know, you're on, you're low on the totem pole and it's, it's, it's hard to, to buck, you know, the system or fight the system, but they were not, it was not that these were young residents who had to keep quiet and they knew better. It's like they were the enforcers and for, and, and enforcing their parents and, and, you know, just really buying everything hook, line and line and sinker. And that's the part that has always concerned me, um, you know, back to this situation at the university of Michigan, I again, want to say that, I'm really proud of the University of Michigan. I, I think as as disappointed as I am in those students for being so disrespectful and not being able to listen to another point of view, which, by the way, conservatives do all the time. Um, it, it, I have to say that the university stood strong. They allowed her to speak as she should, and she delivered an amazing message. So. I want to and, move and to and another. Resume, let me just, oh, one, one last point on that, Rachel, is is I think it's important that when you look at you know the the Dobbs decision that overturned Roe v. Wade, and the greater debate we're having on the abortion issue, the life issue, this has been sent back to the states, and this has been mentioned on our podcast a lot, and you've seen it on conservative media a lot. But these liberals talk about democracy, and it's an offense to democracy, and I'm supporting democracy. And it's this it's this um, destruction of the English language because democracy would mean that in the Dobbs decision, you've given this issue of life versus abortion to the voters and they get to actually decide for themselves through the ballot box what they want and that that these little woke liberals who are pro-abortion will stand up and walk out because this could actually be decided by people, what they think is right for their community and their state. That's offensive to them because they have this idea that my way is the right way and I can't tolerate anyone who has a different opinion. I don't want you to have a vote. I don't want you to have a say. I need to, it's, it's this it's this authoritarian viewpoint that has been fed into the minds of our kids, little soldiers for the Marxist movement. A hundred percent. But I think it's more than just that it's my way or the highway. It's that anybody, everybody knows, and especially those in the medical profession know that they're losing this battle on the basis of science. So they want they don't want this to go back to the people who can evaluate the science. And by the way, the science is in their doctor's office every time they go get an ultrasound, which is 4D and proves beyond the shadow of a doubt the humanity of a of a fetus. Um, these are people who are denying science and basic fetal development that we've known for decades now so true. Uh, because we have had this window into the womb and they also you know are very secretive about what happens 
inside of abortion clinics for the exact same reason. Because as Abby Johnson told me on Fox and Friends when I interviewed her shortly after the decision for Roe versus Wade, she said, listen, when you have to do what I had to do in my clinic when I was the director of Planned Parenthood and I had to occasionally go to the back of the clinic, um, you know, behind the curtains that no one gets to see behind. And after a woman has an abortion, we have to count and stack all the little baby body parts to make sure everything was removed from the womb. When you see little hands and you see little feet and, and, and you see the procedure itself as she has, um, there's just no denying the humanity of a fetus and there's no denying what is happening in there. And so these euphemisms of this is healthcare and that's, and the statement by these students who came out was like, she's denying women healthcare. I'm so sick of these, you know, Nazi like euphemisms. Um, th th it is not healthcare to take the life of another person. Um, it is not healthcare to end a life. And, um, and, and that is what they're talking about. And the evidence is in the back of the room. The evidence is in the hearings that you had, Sean, on Capitol Hill, where you examine the evidence um, obtained by a, a very brave whistleblower on the sale of baby body parts, um, something that is so gruesome. Um, and that many of these universities, many of these medical uh, universities are participating in. And so, you know, again, everyone's entitled to their point of view. You're absolutely right. Democracy wins when it goes back to the states. And you're also right, um, Sean, that it, it should be left up to the people who are, are very smart and have caught on um, to the science um, through going to ultrasounds and seeing their their little babies or their siblings in utero. Um, uh, through this amazing technology of 4D ultrasound. So I want to move to another topic because this is a really great topic. You and I love country music. Um, and that's um, uh, been something that's always uh, something that we've always had in common, you and I. But the other day I played for you a song that my sister sent me and I loved it so much. I thought it, I, I, I'm just so thrilled that it's now number one. Maybe we could just play a clip of that. Stick your progress where the sun don't shine. Keep your big mess away from me and mine. If you leave us alone, well, we'd all be just fine. Stick your progress where the sun don't shine. So, Sean, that was John Rich, of course. He released this on Truth Social and Rumble. It reached number one on the iTunes charts, and he was asked about it, and he said, here I am with no record label, no publisher, no marketing deal. It's bypassing this machine that they've built, going right around the machine, going right to the people. Again, another one where it goes right to the people and the people win. Right, Sean? Well, it, it is. And it's like this idea that uh, the, the culture, the music, the, 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 the media, the movies want to sell us this set of woke ideas. Half plus of America is still conservative, still loves this country, still wants to have policies in place that aren't going to destroy our future for our next generations. And that's what John Rich is singing about. And it's amazing, to your point, Rachel, he circumvented 
all the different stops that a music maker would have to make to get their their music from the studio to the to the American people. John went around those, went to the American people, and it skyrocketed to number one. Uh, and what I love about it is, one, he's going to make a lot of money off it. We've downloaded it. It's now on our playlist. But others will do the same thing, and John will be rewarded for putting putting out a great song. That what's happening here, Rachel, is it's channeling the way so many Americans right. feel. This is yes. the way they feel inside. Yes. These are the conversations they have in their home. And John Rich puts it to music, and they listen to it, and they love it. So, Sean, do you realize it actually went to number one within hours? So he released it on Rumble and Truth Social, and conservatives started sharing it everywhere because, like you said, he was channeling how we feel. I mean, let me just, if you haven't downloaded the song, you absolutely must. Um, it's called it's Progress. Really it's called progress. He says in, in this, um, in this song, he says, he says, if you leave us alone, well, we'd all just be fine. Stick your progress where the sun don't shine. And I can't, I think this goes back to, you know, just how conservatives feel. We, I think a lot of conservatives feel like it's not that we're upset that they're woke. It's that they won't leave us alone. That's right. They're they're in our business every step of the way. We can't have our own yeah. our own ideas, our own viewpoints. We can't have our own speech. We can't debate. They want to shut us down, shut us up. And uh, I think America and a lot of Americans will not be silenced. And again, you see that here with this song. Um, and I think more people are getting courage, Rachel, to stand up and, and push back and fight back. And it's a, and it's a beautiful thing. And if we're going to preserve this country, it's going to be people who have courage. Uh, to to push back against what's happening because it's it's absolute insanity and yeah I just I I, I couldn't be prouder of them and so listen I, I it's this has been a great podcast in the sense that we get to talk about kind of a depressing issue where these young woke doctors get up and walk out of a of a great speech that had nothing to do with abortion but they don't like her personal view on abortion. Um, and then it, it talk about a great story of the university of, stood up. The university didn't cave. That's a great, pro- that's that, progress. That, that, is, that, that is progress. And that we get a, a song progress from John Rich that goes to number one. And it, it shows the power of all of you sharing stories and music like this and the reach that we have. And maybe it goes to the point, Rachel, why, why so many other platforms wanted to shut us down? Why Twitter wants to shut you down? Because if you share stuff, there's so many of us ideas spread they they can't have that but that's why if you go to to true social or to rumble and you have a free exchange of ideas on a platform things are explosive ideas are explosive and john rich found music can be explosive on those platforms yeah that was such a uh, technique of theirs during the pandemic to isolate us then you know if we tried to create community online then they would censor you and make you afraid that you might lose your job if you you know questioned all these government edicts that made no sense uh, but you're right there are more of us i think the pandemic has woken a lot of people up to education to healthcare to uh, you know the corruption of the government and big pharma and um, oligarchs and the great reset and i think you know, you sense it as a congressman who's still so connected to so many of your friends and colleagues in Congress. You know, there's going to be a tsunami in the midterms. Um, it's very obvious people are, are tuned in. 
very angry, upset about the economy, upset about what happened in Afghanistan, upset about what's happening with schools and crime and everything else. And their voices are going to be heard. And I think um, in many ways, this John Rich song progress uh, is is that embodiment of that waking up um, people who just normally just want to be left alone. And that is true. That is all conservatives want. Um, they want to be left alone, but the liberals won't let us. And so we're going to have to take back power um, in in November. And um, and I think that's what this song is about. And I think it's a positive thing. Um, that it's uh, it's it's a hit. It's beating out everybody. Lady Gaga, Lizzo, all the big stars that with all the corporate backing um, and all the right, you know, you know, politics that the liberals love. And here's John Rich, um, little old John Rich. He's not a little old. He's pretty rich himself. Like, literally, he's very rich. Um, but he released it with no marketing, no promotion. And it goes to number one. So um, awesome job. Uh, great talking to you, Sean, um, and everybody else today at the kitchen table. And looking forward to doing this again. That's right. Until next time, if you like our podcast, rate, subscribe, review it. Uh, and until next time, uh, we'll see you later. Have a great one. Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.